I'm Jerry Taylor. This is Football Only Better. You all thought you got rid of me, didn't you? But unfortunately for you, I've got dirt on all the executives at Betfair. So if Kevin Hatchard wants to present the show, Kevin Hatchard presents the show. However, Jerry will be back for Scott Watch later, so do not despair. Now, Manchester City made the strongest of statements in the Premier League on Wednesday night as they crushed Arsenal 4-1 at the Etihad in what was a nearly faultless display. City uh, still behind the Gunners in the title race, but have games in hand. Mark O'Hare, part of the top-tipping team today. Mark, you did say... In our midweek special, you couldn't see any way City wouldn't win the game. And as it turns out, you were right. Yes, yeah. Um, do you know what? After all the big build-up, a match we've been talking about for weeks and weeks and weeks and kind of circled in the calendar from a long way off, um, I, I felt quite cold and quite emotionless towards the match after the first 10 minutes because there felt like a, a sense of inevitability about it. And I felt like the whole occasion was a bit of an anti-climax because City was so good. Um and we were very strong. We were very pro-City pre-match and in the midweek show. But um, So I guess it wasn't a huge surprise to see things unfold in the way they did. But uh, I guess the chasm between the two teams was was clear and obvious, really. Um, the Premier League it was table was... surgical, wasn't... wasn't it? It was, it, was, it was quite kind of clean and efficient. There wasn't yeah. a lot of joy in it. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I guess if you look at the Premier League table, you'd say, well, the title race isn't over yet. There's still a lot of football to be played. But if you look at the market, it would say something completely different. City are 1.1 on the exchange. Uh, that's an implied probability of 91%. And I think that's why perhaps I felt quite underwhelmed by the whole occasion. Um, a title decider between two teams just didn't feel that way at all. Uh, it wasn't like the Man City-Liverpool matches of previous years or even Man City, sorry, Man United-Arsenal, Man United-Man City back in the day. You know, I don't want to take anything away from City because, as you say, they were they were absolutely superb. And they oh, were they were super- brilliant. brilliant. They were brilliant at the Emirates as well. And they were superb and seeing off Bayern Munich. And, you know, you can see why the market rates them so highly. Um, they're capable of reaching heights that no one else on the planet can do. And the Haaland de Bruyne axis was terrifying at times. Their link-up play was, was really superb and such high precision and it wasn't just uh, Haaland sort of finishing he was creating as well which was a joy to see I think that the argument of Man City being a worse team with Haaland in it has, has been shot to pieces now um, because it was brain dead yeah, yeah. <laughs> that'll be why <laughs> it was it was bizarre but um, about you six know. billion goals oh has he made City worse no <laughs> of course he hasn't yeah um, but I just think as a collective their, their press was was relentless it was smart and it was very effective uh, the ability to kind of shape shift depending on the situation was Again, just hugely impressive. You know, they can go long for the opening goal. They can beat you through lovely passing movements too and just the balance of the team. And I think these players, this squad, this club, they're not just a collection of, of world-class operators. They really are smart. There's there's real brains and brawn behind that top-level ability as well. And I think we went over Arsenal a few times now in the last couple of weeks, but um, I think Anfield was, was understandable. I think West Ham was careless and quite concerning but Southampton to me suggested something much more deep-rooted was there and uh, they looked nervous they looked out of their depth defensively they looked clueless when the ball was turned over and they looked like they completely have missed the authority of William Saliba at centre-half so I think psychologically the last couple of weeks will have damaged them and you could see that particularly in this match too and 
it's very difficult to bounce back from now from that now and they've got some tricky games from here on into Newcastle and Brighton Forest won't be easy away from home they're fighting for their lives Chelsea on Tuesday we can laugh at Chelsea but um they do and tend to raise, do. <laughs> <laughs> they, they tend to raise their game for a game against Arsenal so that won't be a straightforward win either but um I, I think that the best analogy of Arsenal I've heard uh, in the last week actually came from Roman Kemp of all people and I think it sums up the situation quite nicely he said for some it's felt like they've been in this horror movie this season when everything's going swimmingly and going really, really well for the most part, but they're being chased very slowly by a monster and um, the inevitable is, is bound to happen at some point. And I think that's been Arsenal in a nutshell, really. Um, City have been relentless. They will hunt you down. And I think they've proven in previous years with that, you know, the title races of Liverpool that um, it's incredibly hard to shake them off. So respect for Arsenal, but um, yeah, even big bigger respect for Man City and the way in which they've gone about their business. I guess the bigger picture is, is something probably not for this this podcast, but it will be a, a fifth Premier League title in six years. And I guess, you know, we can see what a state-owned club with unlimited riches can do when they've got the best coach in the world at the helm too. So, you know, kind of tinged a little bit with that, but um, fair play City, very good. Yeah, yeah, wonderful team. But you're absolutely right. There's always going to be that question. And yes, I know there'll be a torrent of whataboutery. But there we go. That is, as Mark says, another show. Uh, Odds compiler, tipster and maths whiz Mark Stinchcombe on the panel once again. Stinch, I guess people are now going to wonder whether City can do what Manchester United did and win a treble of Premier League, Champions League, FA Cup. Is that a prospect that's still worth backing or is it a bit too late? Did you have to have done that a long time ago to actually make it worth it and cheer it on? Yeah, probably a bit of a quiz question, Kev. What price do you think City are to win the treble now that they are 1.05 just to win the Premier League? Oh, uh, five to one. I always get these wrong horribly. <laughs> Five to four. So there's oh no way. Oh, my God. Yeah, to win all three, yeah, five to four. Yeah, there's no oh way God. you'd be going near that. Obviously, they've Your got... Your Honour, a... I withdraw my question. <laughs> it's not worth backing the treble. <laughs> you've got you've got, a negoti- they've got a negotiate, obviously, Madrid, and then one of the Milan clubs in the Champions League. And obviously, I think the derby factor in the FA Cup final makes the, the tie closer than, than we know. We know City are uh, short price favourites to, to win every game. But I think the derby factor does make it the match more closer than uh, than the odds would be envisaged. So, yes, I wouldn't I wouldn't be going very uh, anywhere near it. I hope they don't win the treble. I back them to win the quadruple 80 to one at the beginning of the season. So I don't really want them to go and win the, the treble and only be let down by the fact that they failed to knock out the the worst team in the Premier League in the uh, in the League Cup in Southampton. So yeah, wouldn't wouldn't be going anywhere near it now. I mean, that seems about ten years ago. That game now was Nathan <laughs> Jones in charge of Southampton. Yeah. Yes. Yes, a long yeah. time ago. <laughs> so you can see it even more kind of bizarre that uh, Southampton even won that won that game uh, given given his tenure. But uh, that's football for you. Obviously, we know a lot lot of uh, variance, a lot of volatility. But City, you know, they I they are in my mind, you know, like a a world class racehorse. You know, they are a sprinter, Sacra. They're a Denman. They're a Cato Star. As soon as they get onto that final bend at Cheltenham, sort of, you know, in February, or even actually even more um, in sync in March, they just they're just a flat track bully, and they're just going to win every game. They're relentless. Uh, they are helped a little bit, I'd say, by teams that don't have anything to play for. But if you look at their next fixtures coming up: Fulham away, West Ham home, Leeds home, Everton away, Chelsea home. 
you'd be a brave man to suggest where they're going to drop points there. Uh, and Arsenal have got to face um, Newcastle away and Brighton home in two of the next three. So it might be done by the, the next in the next few games. Yeah, it's going to be uh, a tough ask now for Arsenal to pick themselves up and get the results that they need. This football season, get a helping hand with Betfair's popular bet builder. Easily add our most popular or fan favourite football selections to your bet slip in just one tap. T's and C's in the description, 18 plus. See gambleaware.org. And over the summer, Stinch will be throwing darts into his Nathan Jones dartboard if it turns out that his 80 to 1 quadruple was sunk by Southampton. Uh, Crystal Palace and West Ham look a lot more secure in the relegation battle than they did just a few weeks ago. Both have shown quite good form of late. Mark, how's this Selhurst Park showdown going to go? Uh, I think it's a tricky game on paper. Um, obviously, both in a much more or a much stronger position than they were a couple of weeks ago, as you say, but they are certain to survive at the moment because of other teams down below them picking up results. Uh, Nottingham Forest doing so on Wednesday night, which just closes the gap a little bit. So, um, yeah, I think after their opening flourish, Palace have now failed to score in back-to-back games. Um, did come close on a couple of occasions against Wolves in midweek. Um, but West Ham have, have kind of changed tact themselves a little bit of late. And, um, you know, you can excuse the excuse the Liverpool game a little bit, but more just kind of release the shackles a little bit with them. They've, um, they've been much more kind of forward-thinking. Um, I guess they're playing counter-attacking football more regularly now, but uh, Lucas Paquette has been given a bit more of a a licence to roam, a bit more freedom, and we've seen how capable he is. Um, and they've looked more dangerous in recent weeks by by kind of changing this uh, approach to a bit, being a bit more, I wouldn't say long ball, but just counter-attacking and get the ball moving forward quicker. They destroyed Bournemouth um, last week, their best performance of the season. They were brilliant that day. That's honestly the best, uh, the best I've seen them play in, in ages because they got the, the hot start, but then they were just really smart because they just sat off they know Bournemouth likes counter-attack and said, OK, we're not going to let you. And mm. it, it was just, they just squeezed them all the way through the game. It was brilliant. Yeah, and the second half against Arsenal, very encouraging too. So, um, yeah, real green shoots there for West Ham. But, um, yeah, just intrigued to see how both teams approach this because a point could be considered a positive. Um, the gap has closed since Wednesday. But, um, yeah, I'm hopeful they'll both give it a decent go. And, um, you know, as we said on Monday's show, the Palace is upturned under Hodgson, uh, kind of caught people by surprise with how expansive they've been. Uh, Everton and Wolves have tried to stunt them, but they still managed shot totals of 12 and 14. Uh, brings their five-game shot tally under Hodgson to 83, which is an average of 16.6 per game, which is a very, very healthy figure. Uh, and two players have really stood out and come to the fore in the past month. We talked about him previously, but Eberechi Eze, um, we honed in on him on the Wolves match, got a shot on target, uh, actually had a few efforts there, and also Jordan Ayu as well. Um, now, Eze was back in the front three in midweek and looked really lively. Five shots, two on target, and since Hodgson's return, he scored three goals, 15 shots and eight on target. Uh, he's landed a shot on target now in each of his last six Premier League starts. Um, now, the Betfair boys have already trimmed him to, to four to six, 1.66 to have a, a shot on target this weekend. But we can bring that bet back up to even money just by simply adding Jordan Ayew to have a shot. So Eberechi Eze to have a shot on target and Jordan Ayew to have a shot uh, gets us to even money. Um, Ayew wow. has been enjoying a real resurgence under Hodgson. In the 11 games prior to his arrival, he was involved in just 14 shot-creating actions. In five games under, five games under Hodgson, it's 12. Under Vieira, Ayu basically had been sacrificed as a forward, just a, a bit of a dog, a bit of a workhorse, really. He only had two shots in those 11 games before 
Vieira was sacked under Hodgson. He has had 12 shots in five games. He had three last weekend in the goalless draw at home to Everton. So uh, obviously contributed again midweek against Wolves too. So yeah, I think combining the two uh, gets us that even money shot again. It's landed in all five of Palace's matches under Hodgson so far. Uh, we're not requiring a huge amount to make it six. So yeah, evens on a, are you to have a shot and Eze to have a shot on target. I did ask a coach who's worked extensively with Jordan Ayew, why does he keep getting picked because he never seems to score? And the answer was, he always works really, really hard and he always does what he's told tactically. And sometimes that is uh, just as important as those goals and assists. Brentford won a West London derby at Frank Lampard's Chelsea in midweek. And frankly, nobody was surprised, which shows the current situation of the two clubs and just how far... Brentford have come. They face a Nottingham Forest team that beat Brighton in midweek, but has an abominable away record for us, just extraordinarily bad. Stinch, I thought Brentford might be even shorter than 1.7 here. Yeah, I think probably what's driving that is arguably they haven't got as much to play for as Nottingham Forest have. And and, and maybe actually Forest win against Brighton, albeit... You know, you're not going to long term have success winning football matches with less than 30 percent possession might actually have uh, pulled the the forest price down, although that's you know wrongly how, how you would go about pricing football matches. I don't really want to worry too much about who wins the game. I just wanted to get involved with with, with goals uh, as it was outsider uh, over two and a half goals at 10 to 11 here. I just feel like with obviously we know how porous forest have been defensively, but They've, I think they've realised now that they're, maybe they're just going to turn games into basketball matches. You know, I didn't, don't think anyone envisaged them going to Anfield and scoring twice and then to follow that up with scoring three against Brighton. As I say, there's, there's not, um, I don't think there's a process um, like a, a mathematical um, conducive to scoring these goals that they have. But at the end of the day, if they're going to be putting the ball into the box, if they are going to throw men forward, it might not mean that they score more goals, but it might obviously mean there's more spaces at the back. Yeah. So well, essentially, they missed a penalty as well, didn't they, in midweek? So it could yeah, be. I think I think missed quite a few penalties this season as well. So that's something that obviously they're very good at obviously um, gaining penalties, and no surprise really with the likes of uh, Brendan Johnson, Morgan Gibbs, White, Jesse Lingard, often playing behind uh, a big striker in, in a one knee or Chris Wood or something. So yeah, I think goals have got a better chance than maybe the the odds suggest. I mean, Forest have uh, conceded two or more goals in in nine of the last 12 and if you look at the odds Brentford are 8 to 11 to score over 1.5 goals and Forrester 4 to 7 just to score a goal so I, I kind of feel as though you know this match kind of starts at Brentford 2-1 and given the fact that both of those are, are odds on and, and shorter than the 10 to 11 I think I think it's worth worth taking a chance I just think with this Forest desperation I think I think it means that the the goal expectancy does increase as a, as a result and if you look at the two teams statistically this season uh, Brentford's matches are averaging three goals and Forest's are averaging 2.78 but the sort of the key thing for me both of them are, are way below their expected goals and I feel like and that's at both ends of the pitch so I just feel like we've got, um, you know, sort of almost four uh, areas where we could see a, an increase. Um, so obviously Brentford's attacking output and Forest's 
um, defensive uh, output. You know, they have conceded a lot of goals this season, but they could have conceded even more, essentially. Um, so I just think that both of those eventually should come to fruition uh, long term. And you look at the, the previous match, uh, finished 2-2 as well. So I'm sort of, I think it's, I'm taking a little bit of a chance here, but I think when we come into this time of the season, you can kind of maybe not throw uh, the long-term stats out of the window, but, you know, they don't carry as much weight. And There's more just, intangibles, right, at this yes. start part of the season? Yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, I think we're going to discuss a few matches this weekend where the odds are maybe way off what we think they should be because of motivation. And I think some motivation is, fan- is a beautiful element of betting because it's just something that you, you can't 100% quantify. We're making a few changes to our great daily offers here at Betfair. You now have to opt in to promotions to enjoy the rewards available on both the Sportsbook and Exchange. You can opt in quickly and easily by clicking a promotional banner or going straight to the promotions page and clicking opt in. There's a step-by-step guide on betting.betfair.com. We're going to drop into the EFL now, promotion chasing Plymouth in action against Burton. Mark, I've seen the Pilgrims live a couple of times this season. Very impressed by their football. Very impressed by their manager, Stephen Schumacher, when I spoke to him. They know a win gets them to where they want to be. Was it? Was this a massive surprise, them being near the top of the table? Were they expected to be contenders? Uh, it was for me. Um, I think they're always kind of talked about being kind of pushing for the playoffs. I think that probably would have been the, the pre-season name. They were 22 to 1 in terms of an outright price to, to win the league back in July. Um, when you see the amount of money spent by teams towards the top end of the table, for Plymouth to even be considered in that sort of uh, title race is a huge overachievement in my eyes. Um, I think they've been absolutely terrific and they've set a relentless pace and they've continued that and been very, very consistent. Their worst run of the season was, was four games without a win. Uh, that happened just once. And apart from that, they've won a game every other two uh, throughout the whole campaign. A lot of that's been down to the home form at home park. They've been absolutely exceptional, almost flawless, really, in Devon. But um, yeah, I mean, we, we sort of, Stinch was alluding it to it there. But um, there's two games, two regular season games left in the EFL campaign. We are into silly season. Sides of major motivation are being priced up artificially short. Uh, we see it every year because a team needs a win. doesn't magically make them... A better team but um you have to pick and choose your battles and i think this is one to to get on side because i think plymouth obviously do fall into that category um just a, a couple of points away from promotion uh they're playing a burton team who have nothing left to play for now because they secured league one safety midweek with a one nil win away at lincoln which is an amazing turnaround considering they started the season with one point from their opening eight games but um yeah plymouth have been going off big-ish prices all season largely down to the the metrics, the underlying shot data metrics, um, which paints Ipswich as quite clearly the best team in the division. Uh, Sheffield Wednesday, not far off them, but uh, Plymouth down and kind of mid-table. But um, as I said, they've just been relentless in terms of getting results. They've won four on the spin now. They've won nine of 11 going further back. They've scored two goals and were in eight of those 11 games. But at home, it's... uh, 19 wins from 22 uh, and they scored twice or more on 17 occasions averaging just shy of two goals per game against bottom half teams home or away Plymouth have won 18 of 22 and scored twice or more on 17 occasions so you know they've really held their metal throughout the whole campaign they've set a ridiculously good pace and they continue to grind out these results and uh, Stephen Schumacher said after midweek uh, when they won again against Bristol Rovers 
He said, you know, basically one more game in front of our home fans. If we can get the result we need and require, it's going to be a great summer. We all can go off and have a, a brilliant celebrations on a holiday. So the motivation is absolutely there. I do believe Plymouth will be too good. For Burton, um, I know Dino Marmaria will probably kind of, he's kind of coach who won't let his team kind of rest on their laurels despite securing safety. But there was a, a celebratory kind of mood around the club after after Tuesday night. So perhaps Burton might make a couple of changes, might not be on it. Uh, Plymouth certainly will be. So Plymouth to win and over one and a half goals was the bet. But um, the market has moved uh, quite considerably in their favour. They're now kind of going off prices. You expect them to go out. Um, but we can actually kind of go to the bet builder, back Plymouth to win over one and a half goals, but also tick the no in both teams to score two or more goals column which would then get us back up to 1.8 uh, so you're effectively back in Plymouth to win 2-1 2-0 3-1 3-0 that kind of thing basically we don't want Burton to score two goals or more we want Plymouth to score two goals or more and we'll get paid out at 1.8 Motivation certainly won't be a factor in Germany on Friday night for either team. Massive Ruhr derby title chasing Borussia Dortmund. Know that a win at local rivals Borgham will take them four points clear at the top. Stinch Dortmund have already beaten Borgham twice this season in League and Cup. But anybody who's watched Dortmund, anybody who's watched German football knows... This is the kind of game, a bear pit away from home, under the lights, Friday night, Dortmund top, it's all there for them. And Dortmund go, ah, we can't handle this. We've lost 3-0. Ah. So the neutrals hope it won't happen. What do you think will happen? Yeah, it's, now, now having said that, you've made it kind of sound a little bit similar to the Man City-Arsenal title battle. You know, we know that Man City always go in and win the league and then somebody else gives puts up a little bit of a fight. Um, and Dortmund, a similar profile, I'd say, to Arsenal in terms of, you know, a lot of youngsters, um, a lot of players that they've developed and then um, obviously have moved on. Uh, but yeah, as you say, absolutely enormous game. Dortmund uh, 1.5, 1 to 2 to win the match. Um, they they lead Bayern by one point with five games to go. You know, um, this is the, this this is actually feels it feels like they've got a, a much better chance than the the market suggests of of winning the league. Bayern host Hertha on Sunday. Bayern are four to seven to win the league. Dortmund are thirteen to ten. I feel like with Dortmund's remaining fixtures, they feel like they've got a better chance than that. They've got after this, they host Wolfsburg and Gladbach and then finish off with Augsburg away and Mainz home. Now, we know kind of the final day of the season, anything goes, and I could definitely see Mainz winning 4-1. But having said that, you know, obviously it's all about price. Um, but I, I would I would actually be tempted to to maybe back Dortmund to, to kind of win each game and maybe sort of like, you know, roll your roll your money over. Um, because if they're, if they're one to two away at Borkham, they're going to be sort of, probably four to six at home to Wolfsburg, similar price at home to Gladbach. And I feel like they do probably need to win probably four of the five games, at least. I mean, Bayern may slip up, but they, they obviously want to ensure that they have that buffer. So I think that might be the, the way I'd go if you didn't want to back Dortmund at 13 to 10. And you know, obviously it would be a much bigger price. Um, small shout out quickly to Union. They're only five points off the top, yet they're 175 to one. It's wild, uh, isn't it? Like I've done it myself. I've done it at least four times, gone, right, that's the end. Union are out. There's no way they'll win the league. And then they just keep, you keep looking at the table and going, what? Oh, yeah. okay, maybe they could still win it. 
I mean, huge game for them on Saturday, home to Leverkusen. But Leverkusen are faves. And that just goes to show how sort of why Union are the prize they are and how much the, the market doesn't rate them. So lots and lots of uh, twists and turns to come. Uh, it's really, really exciting. So definitely worth, I, th- I thought, talking about the game on uh, this week's podcast. Going to touch on uh, Bayern's match on uh, Sunday's show. So definitely uh, listen out for that one. Um, so we had some success last week on the what was the big game of, of last weekend in the FA Cup, Sheffield United v Man City. A nice uh, five to one uh, winner on the fouls market with three players to commit one foul. One Sander Burge foul off uh, 80 to one winner for all of them to commit two plus fouls, which I was seething what is it with at. these 80 to one winners of you <laughs> just falling short honestly. yeah you just you got you just got to keep backing them 79 more times so, so that at least one of them comes up and you yeah. break even yeah um <laughs> so uh yeah so sort of going down the, the same route again there was a there was a couple of lads that sort of messaged me and said they had they'd had also nice winners as a result so i thought i'd see if i could find something similar and yeah i think i found like a, a really nice angle i'm gonna back two Balkan players to commit two or more fouls. Obviously, we, we know here that Dortmund are going to be the protagonists. They're going to be the ones attacking. So I think it makes sense, especially with obviously Borkum battling at the bottom uh, end of the Bundesliga to stay in the Bundesliga. So I've landed on uh, Anthony uh, Losilla and I, Danilo. I, he'd be the first, I was going to guess <laughs> at him, to be honest. And yes. Danilo Suarez, both to commit two or more fouls. Now, they both like to commit fouls. Lucilla commits 1.3 per game. Danilo commits 1.2. But the key thing for me is they look like they're going to be up against uh, the two most foul players for Dortmund. So Lucilla plays, obviously, holding midfield. And no surprise, maybe, that Jude Bellingham is Dortmund's most foul player. He's fouled, he's fouled over two times per game. And so I think he's going to have to be one of the players that deals with uh, Bellingham's runs from deep. So, yeah, back throwing him to begin with. And then Danilo, he'll be up, um, he'll be at left back and he'll be up against the informed Daniel Marlon, who's massively, massively like playing really, really well right now. Yeah, he's been Score, absolutely scoring brilliant. goals. Yep, yeah, scoring goals, making chances, uh, really coming to his own on that right hand side of Dortmund's attack. And yeah, he's Dortmund's second most foul player, 1.5 times per game. So you back, you back Lucilla and Suarez both to commit two or more fouls. And it comes out of five to one. And again, we had a nice five to one winner last week. And so, yeah, trying to trying to make make it pay again at the same price. It was interesting with Marlon because at the Classica, they were dreadful Dortmund, as we know. But he was the only one. He came on and he was the only one that really carried the fight to them. And he deserved his goal at the end of that game. And he's just carried on and carried on. We finally seen the real Daniel Marlon. Let's head to France for one of Mark's favourite betting hotspots. We're off to Liga. Yeah, no good with last week's bet, uh, BTTS, Montpellier, Rennes, but uh, sometimes good bets lose and, and bad bets win. That's just the nature of the game. So not going to run away from that BTS angle just yet. Um, so Friday night, Strasbourg take on Lyon. Uh, the same selection is 1.8. That for me is a value price. Uh, we've spoken about it before, but Ligue 1 has a tremendous BTTS hit rate, 58% overall, uh, 58% success implies betting odds around 1.72. So immediately there's a bit of a, a value gap there between what we're getting offered here and what the league average tends to be. But um, I think the further you dig, the, the stronger you feel about this play because Strasbourg are scrapping for their lives. They reported back-to-back wins to, to climb outside of the bottom four, but only on goal difference. Um, they have had the quality that we've seen that all through the season, but they've been so inconsistent and defensively just pretty inept at the best of times. Just four clean sheets all season. 
Um, however, they have the quality in forward areas. Uh, Habib Diallo, we talked about him a few weeks ago, scoring goals again. Um, Kevin Gamero. Did he score but, after a few seconds the other day or something? Yeah, yeah. He uh, he missed the game. I, I put him up to score, but he scored the week after and he was 2.8, I think, to score that day. So, yeah, he's, he's failed to, sorry, uh, Strasbourg have only failed to score six times across their 32 league matches already this season. As I say, this is almost verging on Virtuing on a must-win for for Strasbourg, the way teams are are going down there. Uh, Lyon lost at Marseille last time out, now six points off European qualification. Kind of sink or swim for them too if they want to get back into Europe. Um, Shouldn't really be languishing around mid-table. They've got far too much quality in in forward areas there, but they've scored in 12 of 14. They've scored twice or more in six of eight trips to the bottom half, and they've scored in 13 of 16 away days. Yet they have only managed three clean sheets on their travels and they've conceded at struggling Trois, Auxerre and Angers uh, since the end of January, which is uh, yeah, just disastrous. We know how bad those teams are. So yeah, Strasbourg have seen BTTS cop in 11 of 16 at home. That's 69%. Lyon have seen the same selection land in 11 of 16 away, which is 69%. Must win for both, neither proficient defensively, loads of attacking ability on either side of the coin. So I think 1.8, which uh, implies just a 56% chance of success, uh, is a nice value play for Friday night. I'm going to take us back to the Bundesliga, even though there's no market at time of recording. I'm going to back Silas to score or assist for Stuttgart against Borussia Mönchengladbach at what I suspect will be around evens. He's looked really lively. As an impact sub in the last couple of games, he scored a last gasp leveller in the three-all draw with Borussia Dortmund. There's a good chance, I think, he starts here because he came on at halftime at Augsburg last week, played ever so well, didn't contribute to a goal, but he had Augsburg on the run pretty much the whole half. So I think there's a good chance that he'll play well against the Gladbach team that's pretty much on the beach, I think it's fair to say. And I think away from home, they've been really poor for most of the season. So I think Stuttgart have got a good chance of winning the game, and CLS has got a good chance of having a say in that. Now, a lot of you at home are thinking, we haven't had any Norwegian content for ages. Mark <laughs> O'Hare put that right. Yeah, it's been a while since we've been to the uh, Elite Serin. Uh, that's because the season's only three weeks old, but um, a familiar leader at the top end of the table, Bodo Glimt. They won back-to-back titles in 2020 and, and 2021. Uh, became the first ever Arctic team to, to win the Norwegian Championship, but um, competed well in Europe last season, but they... Uh, Lost control of the title to Mulder. Um, have to, have actually retooled quite well over the summer. Some key players coming back. The squad has been strengthened and they've started the season with three wins. 2-0, 4-0 uh, and 3-0 uh, against Salzburg, uh, Starbeck and Arlesund. Uh, generating 6.37 expected goals and just absolutely bellowing in the shots. Um, There's they are the a clip we know and love. Exactly. A shot-taking machine they are. And um, yeah, they're playing newly promoted Brand this weekend. Now, Brand aren't your kind of average newly promoted club. It was a bit of an embarrassment, but they got relegated in the first place. Um, they absolutely dominated the second tier last year. They're a big club with reasonable resources. They're expected to consolidate at worst this year. If anything, they should be pushing towards the top half of the table. They've made a decent start. They've won both home games, but they lost away at odd 2-0. Uh, conceded five shots on target and actually across the three games so far they've conceded an average of four shots on target Uh, they're a front foot team not much going for them defensively which is always quite concerning when you go away to Bodo Glimt Um, as we say they're quite a relentless force in forward areas but um, yeah just the Bodo price stood out to me 1.76 to win this match Um, you know which I did some digging Um, over the last 54 home league games Bodo have been a bigger price than this just three times 
And as I say, Bram Bergen were in the second tier last year. Bodo started like a train already. They should be going off shorter. The average price they've been at home in those 54 home league games was 1.43. So almost half the price. Um, and their record since the start of 2019 in home league games, 44 wins from 61, which is a 72% win rate. Um, yeah, I've got to back them at that price. If you want something bigger, you can include over one and a half goals on the sports book, which will get you to around about 1.95, which is a uh, very attractive, just excludes the one nil home win. Now the part of the show everyone has been waiting for. For months, Mark O'Hare has been beguiling us with his Scott watch, including the impeccable culture corner. Now, last week, we discovered there is a Yoda to his Luke Skywalker, an inspirational and benevolent figure in the background. Well, that figure is now being brought front and centre because this week it is Jerry Taylor's Scott watch. Oh, aye. Escort watch. This is all very exciting. Mark, first of all, before we bring Jerry in, how do you know Jerry in the first place? How did this all start? Um, I probably did Jerry a bit of a disservice last weekend because I was a bit coy about him, but um, he's a very successful punter. Uh, Why were you trying to keep him hidden? (laughs) (laughs) A a very successful punter in in the Scottish football uh, in particular. Um, So I used to run a a website called We Love Betting and and Jerry was our kind of Scottish correspondent, if you like. And um, yeah, he was just banging out winners winners week to week. Uh, Some incredible prices, uh, always a really good eye for spotting value prices too. Um, always ahead of the market. And if you sort of track Jerry in his in his bets, um, he's smashing the closing line every week, which is always a good sign. Uh, knows the lower leagues off by heart, basically. He's an encyclopedia on Scottish football, but uh, particularly in those kind of lower reaches where the uh, sort of media is, is very sort of limited. Uh, Jerry's out there watching matches, um, making notes. And uh, yeah, he's just a, a solid resource. So if ever I come up with a, a selection, particularly outside the Scottish Premiership, I, I tend to run it by Jerry just for a bit of, approval if you like or see if i've missed anything and he's always always delivers so um yeah a very sort of trusted source this is wonderful stuff so jerry delightful to have you on the show welcome cheers kev big build up there yes Um, exactly no pressure that's it i'm going to dip into the scottish championship this week first um air united against wraith rovers um yeah wraith are heading to the seaside on saturday and they could already be on the beach. Um, and defeat to Morton last week, uh, the Fifers only three outfield players on the bench. Rovers have only beaten the bottom three sides uh, this season, or two of the bottom three sides, twice apiece are both in Hamilton. So they're not the best of travellers. And they've only actually won four out of 20 recently. So their season is pretty much petering out now. Ian Murray also watched two of his players get sent off in the defeat to Morton at Greenock last week. So they're down. Tom Tom Lang, the defender's missing, and Lewis Vaughan, striker's missing as well. So by, by Ian Murray's own uh, his post-match interview, he says he's depleted for numbers. Numbers are low, and he's going to go with what he's got. He's got Sam Stanton returning. His uh, partner gave birth last week, so he was missing. So he's got at least one player back. But um, Adrian Aitter are in must-win must territory now. Draws are no good to them. Um, they score 1.71 goals per game. Here, they've got the prolific Depot Akinyemi up top. So um, they've really got to win in front of their own fans here. There's, incredibly, in a league that's only got 10 teams. This has been a great watch. We'll, we'll be getting Friday night live games up here most of the season. There's actually six teams out of 10 that can still 
play in the playoffs, three playoff slots with one Scottish Premiership team to, you know, ultimately decide who gets in the top league. So it's a cracking league, but Wraith, again, only keep their sheets clean in seven out of 34 this season. So you've got to favour air here. It's a must win for them. Um, and that's going to be the first part of a double. The other game I'm still in the Scottish Championship is Partick Thistle against Arbroath. Uh, when the opening salvo for the bookmakers came out for this, they had really factored in that Arbroath come Saturday could actually be safe from the drop. Um, it all hinges on a Friday night game between Dundee and Cove. Dundee are going off 185, 1.20 pokes here. So they're expected to get the job done. It's Dundee's league to, to chuck away, really. It's Dundee's uh, league to lose. Um, so if that does happen, if Dundee do care, take care of Cove, Arbroath are travelling to Firhill. We, they can't finish in the bottom two, basically they're safe. So the, some of the early prices have been taken on that, but the red, the red lichties have got such a superior goal difference to Hamilton and Cove, the two teams below them, that they should be safety should be assured assured if Dundee get the business done on Friday night, as I say, against Cove. Party have gone pretty well this season since replacing um, Ian McCall with Chris Doolan in a dugout. Um, they've still got the really scary mascot, right? We're going to go into him later, Kev. <laughs> He's getting a he mention. Gets. Don't worry. Don't worry about Goods. that. I'm excited about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But Chris, Chris Doolan, he's got five wins, five draws, and one loss, and he's 11 games since he took over from Ian McCall. So he's doing pretty well, and Partick look strong candidates for this playoff slot. Um, they've been dominant against Arbroath already, against Dick Campbell's boys this season. They've won three times and drew once against the Red Lickneys, against Arbroath. So again, similar to here, it's a must-win, big crowd of Partick fans at Farhill. So both these home teams should get the job done with a bit of luck. The double pays on the Betfair Sportsbook 2.69. So I think it's worth taking the double now that the prices have shortened up slightly for the opening salvos. But I think that could be a cracking double based on we've definitely got one team. Stinch was talking earlier about motivation. We've definitely got one team that's not motivated, Wraith. And we've possibly got two where both come Friday night if Dundee, um, as expected, take care of Cove Rangers. So now it's all about Culture Corner. You set this out quite beautifully. Take it away. <laughs> well, first of all, we are airplane airshare Robbie Burns Country, Robert Burns Country. Um, their nickname is The Honest Men. Um, this is for the Scottish poem, Tam O'Shanter, uh, Burns' poem, Honest Men and Bonnie Lassies. A few miles south there, there's also the Electric Bray. Um, it's basically a cliffside road that provides an optical illusion. If you put your car into neutral, handbrake off, you'd expect your vehicle to roll backwards, but it actually goes uphill. And you can do that experiment with a football as well on the road. It's quite a oh, quite wow. an illusion. Generalising, such however, a good feature for <laughs> Scottish tourism. It's going to be loads of people now. Who are just going, right, I've got to go and do that now. Definitely. General Eisenhower during World War II, he stayed at nearby Calais Castle and he was taking guests up to try this phenomenon, you know, the Gravity Hill. So it is quite a popular stop-off for tourists up there. Famous players here, United had Stevie Nicol, um, 70 yes. appearances, and then he went on to have four titles in a European Cup with Liverpool. And in seven, 1974, it was quite a momentous time in here. Not only did we have Red Rum doing the back-to-back, this is topical with the Grand Nationals just having taken place. Red Rum won back-to-back uh, Nationals at entry and at uh, air in the Scottish National. And we also had a player for Air United that um, made 24 appearances, scored nine goals, and then ultimately retired. You all know this guy as Alex Ferguson. 
So he well, finished I wonder up. what happened to him. Yeah, aye. Even on to better things, I think. But that was his uh, that was his last playing appearances as a footballer. On to party now, they've not actually played in a party here of Glasgow for 120 years. Um Firhill's actually in the Mary Hill area of Glasgow. Partick, I've got no shortage of nicknames. Thistle, the Jags, the Mary Hill Magyars, and the Harry Rags. A bit of rhyming slang there. <laughs> Sorry, the, Mer- <laughs> the Mary Hill Magyars. The Mary Hill Magyars, you know, that right, must be a wonderful. reference to the, the great Hungarians back of in the course. day. Of course, yeah, love and it. And the, the Harry Rags, that's a bit of rhyming slang for the former trainer and jockey back in the day. They were known as that as well. Firhill was also used for an episode of Taggart. Yes, there's been a murder. Wonderful. <laughs> it was Wonderful. En- entitled Football Crazy, that episode, in 2000. Comedian Billy Connolly is on record as having quipped that for years he thought the club's name was Partick Thistle Nil. <laughs> <laughs> and Partick also, um, the late Colin Weir won $161 million in the Euro Millions. He bought a majority stake in 2011, but... There's a, you know, a wee bit of shenanigans in the boardroom in the last few years since poor Colin passed away. And famous player for Partick Thistle, similar. And a player that went on to go to Liverpool as well, uh, Marlon Hansen. He made 86 appearances and then he went on to get a, a stunning eight titles and three European Cups when he, he went to Liverpool. So, And yeah, last but not least, we've got to mention Kingsley, haven't we? That scary yes. mascot. Um I take it it's all jaggy because of the Jags, but uh, yeah, some of the kids are scared of Kingsley, but Kingsley's on record as saying, I might look a bit angry, but I'm really quite approachable. Don't be scared. He's terrifying. He's absolutely terrifying. For sure, for sure. But I kind of like that. I kind of like that. Uh, Jerry, that was anything but terrifying. That was wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Uh, Round of applause. Cheers, guys. Mark, that bar... It's just been set very, very high for you. Just yeah. so you know, so the rest of the season, there you go. There's your stand. Jerry, many, many thanks for that. And we're going to keep Jerry uh, because we can. Uh, and now it's time for the world-famous podcast treble. In sport, what's just as important as the goals, the glory, the roar of the crowd? Yes, it's the halftime break. Time for a breather, a reset to keep everything on track. In sports betting, Betfair's safer gambling tools help you do that too. Like timeouts, so you take that all-important half-time break. Or deposit limits, to help you keep count. Manage your play at safergambling.betfair.com. Simple ways to stay on top of your game with Betfair. 18plusbegambleaware.org A betting feature so inspiring, the only reason Prince Harry has agreed to come to the coronation is to sneak in some research for his Scottish League 2 Ackers. Uh, how this works is each of the guys come up with a selection ahead of the weekend's action, and then our delightful traders wrap them up in a boosted treble. Jerry, the honour is yours. You can come up with the first selection ahead of the podcast treble. Just a simple play. We'll get into um, a favourite league of you guys. I think the Scottish League 2. Um, Stranraer versus Stenhouse Muir. Stranraer have been decent all season at home. They've got the new manager, so they're definitely going to be at it. Um, good result last week. And we're going to Stenhouse Muir. They've still got plenty to play for. They've got a possible playoff slot. So both teams to score there. 8 to 15, 1.53 guys. I'll chuck that in as part of the podcast table this week. Nice little start for a stinch. I'll take it to you. Uh, I'm I'm between two, so I'll let Mark go next if that's okay. 
Always good stuff, a bit of psychodrama, just to reference Jake Olsgathorpe, who's mm-hmm. not with us at the moment. He has other priorities, like his wonderful baby daughter, who's just arrived. Uh, so congratulations to them, by the way. We haven't said congratulations so far. So well done to the Olsgathorpes, all involved. Uh, Mark, your selection. Yeah, uh, Jerry mentioned Stranraer. I don't know where I heard it, but apparently there's a, a curling hotel in Stranraer. You might want to visit as well. Um Plymouth to win will be my podcast selection for all the reasons I've already outlined. They are relentlessly good at home park. They're playing a Burton team without anything to play for, having survived or secured safety in midweek, I should say. So, yeah, Plymouth should get the three points and deliver promotion this weekend. Right. By the end of 2023, we're not all being paid by the Scottish Tourist Board. Something (laughs) has gone horribly wrong. Uh, Stinch, take us home. So I think you need to start with an apology because I think we've been, I think we've hit the woodwork the last three weeks. I think we've been let down by one selection. So I think we need to apologise to the the podcast treble backers like the no apology necessary. These famous celebrities, like any striker, you keep put yourself in position, you'll score eventually. It's all yeah. So. I must apologise to the, to the celebrities that have been backing in. It's not winning. Oh, so let's yes. let's stick with let's stick with this motivation angle. Then I'll back City at minus one point five. That's all we have time for, sadly, on this very special edition of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. Lots of good content on our website, betting.betfair.com. Loads of good shows on the Betfair podcast network, including two racing shows, you lucky, lucky people, Racing Only Better and the Wade In podcast. Of course, we've got the Sunday show. That's where all the cool kids go. Of course, you are cool kids for listening to the Saturday show. But if you only listen to this and don't listen to the Sunday, that makes you a dweeb. I'm sorry, not my rules. That's the way it is. Uh, So from Jerry, thank you. From Stinch, from Mark, and indeed from me. It's goodbye for now.